Hello and welcome to this Nutmeg podcast, a version of the Scottish football magazine for your ears. I'm Daniel Gray and this time my interview guest is former Scotland international Don Masson, a man known for missing a penalty at Argentina 78, but who deserves to be remembered for so much more. His autobiography, Still Saying Sorry, is available in bookshops including Waterstones or online at donmasson.co.uk. Do think on about helping with the making of this podcast at patreon.com slash nutmegfc and I wish to express my immense gratitude to all of you who've joined Nutmeg FC so far and deepest thanks to Mark Astaire for his support. Issue 18 of Nutmeg Magazine is out now and is a cracker. Please see nutmegmagazine.co.uk to get your copy and thank you for reading and listening in a strange old year. See you in 2021. Enough of that. Here's the podcast. Cue tape. Before we go into the past, the book is called Still Saying Sorry. Who are you still saying sorry to? (laughs) How how long have you got? (laughs) (laughs) It was initially uh, for the the Notch County and uh, players of the 60s the late 60s, when I first came down from the borough, that uh, I used to... It was it was only because of my mouth, really, that uh, I just wanted them to, to be better. And I, and, I, and if they failed in like a bad pass or a, a bad tackle or anything, I would be on to them, you know. And, I, and so, but now, I only... But I was only trying to, to make them better. And now when we meet up, after the 40-odd years, my first thing is to apologise to them because we have we have uh, reunions once a year mm. for the old boys, and uh, now it's, we make a joke of it now, <laughs> and they can see you know like I you know I wasn't all that bad really. Yeah, it's good that you've yeah the joke's made now because you you write in the book that you said some quite hurtful things at the time, including that great insult to a footballer you can't play, which are the words worst words you can say to a player, aren't they? Yeah. Bless him. He's no longer with us now. Oh, Richie. Bless him, Richie Barker. Where do you think that behaviour came from for you? Because you're such a gentleman to deal with, as, as we've spoken a few times in recent weeks. Just, I think, it might it might have happened, changed when I came down uh, to Middlesbrough from Scotland. You know, it's a strange environment. I was happy, you know, everything was going well. and didn't have any problems. And then I was put into this through no fault of my own. And I think, uh, you know, you can imagine from the countryside in, in Scotland and Aberdeen, Bantry, to come down to industrial Middlesbrough, as you know well, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, a, a strange feeling. To, and obviously me having a strange accent for the, the local kids and that, yeah. they, they found me strange, obviously. And uh, mm. they, I think it began there because I've... I felt like I was an outsider, and my football was the my blessing. I would because that's all I wanted to do was be a footballer. Going back before Middlesbrough, then Bankery was where you had your childhood. What are your memories of the town and of home, and of playing football early on? What kind of games were you playing? Are you talking street stuff on the park? It was initially I was I used to I played. For the the school team and then the uh, the county team, which was in Cardinshire at that time, uh, on the twelves when I was ten, I was to play in that team and in the local team. 
local school team, like my mum was the instrumental person mm-hmm. behind it. She was there because obviously she spent more time with me. And I used to go home at lunchtime. She was outside with a tennis ball, just hitting this ball, making, and she made me kick with my right foot and my left foot. It was my mum was uh, installed in me and to make sure that I kicked with both feet. I was proficient with both feet. And uh, at an early age, from five onwards, I was, when I went to school, and then I used to come home every lunchtime, and I would get my mum to do that with me. And I wouldn't go back to school unless she did that, you know, which was fantastic for me. And watching Aberdeen, they were your team then? Well, I used to go in to Aberdeen with my dad, or not, not often, and that was a treat. Because my dad was involved with Bankery. He was a sort of a groundsman for the pits and that. And then he uh, used to go in as a treat and to see the Dons. And they were my, uh, my, obviously my team, the team I still look for now, the first result. The revelation about your mum teaching you to be both footed is fantastic. Where did that come from with her? Did she love football or was she just saw something in you? She was a spiritualist, my mum. And she used to go to spiritualist church and that and she... I always remember the same to me uh, later on in life when we were at the borough. She said, I went to this uh, spiritual meeting and asked the medium what you were going to do. And the uh, spiritual said, oh, he's going to make a living with his feet. And she assumed I was going to be a, in the, the ballet. She said, you're not going to be a ballet dancer, is he? She said, no, 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 no. He'll, uh, he'll, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll make his living uh, with his feet. And she, she told me that, or when she when later on in her life, that uh, she always knew that I would. And then when I concentrated on the football, then she knew that uh, that's what I was going to do in my life. That's incredible. England pulling ten players back. Colin Jackson's been sent forward. So 1958, why did the family move? I know I love Teesside, but it is an acquired taste, so you were right to be shocked, I think it's fair <laughs> to say. But, but why did that happen? It was my dad. He was in, he was, ambition was to be a bus driver. He used to drive the local bakery van and then the diesel van and, uh, and bankery. And he, he went for a, a medical in uh, Aberdeen and uh, obviously failed it. And unbeknown to our family... Uh, well, Joan and I, obviously, we discussed it with my mum. He came to Middlesbrough, which was equivalent to going to Australia now, as far as we were concerned. And after settling down, he got taken in and he was accepted as a bus driver in Middlesbrough. And so we were we were left in Bankshire and we followed down, I think it was about six weeks later. Went on the train, got down to the borough, and uh, he, he had uh, purchased a, a little... Uh, Coronation Street House, but it, the reason that was the reason because he fulfilled his ambition to be a bus driver. That's the re- only reason we mm. came down. No mm. other reason than that. And so you went from that countryside to an incredibly industrial town. Yeah, but having said that, I was I I loved it when I got into the, the football side of it 
Didn't like school, never liked school, hated school. So did, did you fall in love with the transporter bridge? Oh, yeah, the first thing, the first thing the, the, my dad took us over. Straight, it was the first thing when we came down there. The first yeah. thing he did was take us over and walked over the top. So what about watching football? Presumably you were going to Ayrson Park, a special place to me, but which players were you seeing when you were going to watch Middlesbrough as a youngster? Brian Clough, he was my hero. Brian Clough and Owen Peacock, that was the forward line. Brian Clough used to get 40 goals a season, every season in the second division at the Borough. I've seen him get the ball, Alan Peacock, in the six-yard box. He could have put it in the back of the net and he was so annoyed, Mr Clough, I always call him, and he, he just passed it to him so he could put it in the net. I would see him scoring hat-tricks games. He would win, the Borough would win nine, three, six, and sevens. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable they were. Fantastic. And what about playing at that time then? How did you come to be spotted and in the end signed up and how old were you? 15, because you leave school at 15 in those days. Harold Shepherdson was England trainer and uh, he spotted me playing at Oxford Road, Dorman Long's club. It was, it was, I remember it being a muddy pitch and not playing so well. But I must have done something for Mr. For Harold Shepherdson, saw, saw something in me. And they came to the, the, the school the headmaster. In those days, you had to have a, a career and you had to, to go and get an apprenticeship or whatever. And all I wanted to do was to be a footballer. But he, uh, he, he insisted to go from 15 to 16. So I went as an apprentice uh, painting and decorating for Turner's. He was a famous painting and decorating firm at the time at Middlesbrough. And I went there for a year. Served my time, which set me in good stead for later on in life. And all I wanted to do was I thought, well, I'll let my trade, be a footballer for 20 years, and then going back and be a painter. That was my life planned. I had that planned when I was 15. But thing, things worked out better for me in, in more ways, like the football side, and then obviously the better. And the, not, and, but when I see painters decorators now, I still think that could have been me. I could have still been, you know, like after I'd finished, I could have been doing that. For the rest of my life. It's interesting you were spotted playing at Dorman Long. Those that don't know, Dorman Long was one of the main bridge builders in Middlesbrough. They built the Tyne Bridge, among other successes, the Sydney Harbour. And it was always intrinsically linked the football and the industry, wasn't it? You know, yeah. Clough was a messenger boy, and Mannion before him had worked in the industry before he became a player. Very closely linked. So you played 53 games for Middlesbrough. We should say at this point, you were attacking centre midfielder, would you describe yourself as? Because in those days, it was right half, left half, inside right, inside left. There was no such thing as now as like midfield players. No. You just you, you were up and down the channel on the right hand side, you were right half or inside right. Same with inside left left half. And uh, but I was I used to score goals because I was fortunate. I could, I, I could time the ball, score loads of goals from outside the, the area. I had a good shot on me as a kid. Mm. And uh, yeah, I used to get into the box. I was, I could, I didn't find any problems endurance-wise. Doctor Phillips, who was the England trainer for the World Cup, he was the the bullet uh, physio, he was the doctor, and he did was way way ahead of his time. He used to do tests. I've got a slow heartbeat. Apparently, My, I'm stronger in 90 minutes than I, than I am in, in the first minute. I was, I didn't find any problem. And then during sprinting, I was useless. At. I couldn't sprint to save myself. But uh, as far as keeping going for the 90 minutes, 
couldn't have a problem with that. So what about Notts County? In 1968, he decided to leave Middlesbrough. What were the reasons for going? In those days, we didn't have any say in the matter. I, I was just told one day to meet at the, the ground. I was in and out of the team, September 68. I thought, well, I wanted to play first team. I couldn't, uh, I wasn't getting in the team. I was told to, to report down to the ground and they said they agreed terms with Notts County. I didn't know where Notts County was. I didn't know where they were. But it said they've agreed and uh, you've got to meet the manager in the afternoon. And so I met Billy in the afternoon when he, and, and Stuart Imlach, his assistant, on the way back from a scouting exposition in Scotland. He said, you're guaranteed to be in the, the first team, which is all I wanted to, to hear. Mm. You know, I wasn't interested in money or anything like that. And uh, I just wanted to be, to prove myself, to be given a chance. And then all I remember was Nottingham, the Trent Bridge, when it was the cricket was shown in the summertime, the two football clubs were you used to see them, the floodlights either side of the Trent. That's the only thing I, I knew about Nottingham. And so when I agreed to uh, to sign, I didn't I didn't realise there were ninetieth out of the ninety two clubs. So all I was want all I wanted to do was get be a first team player and play play all the time. And good times did come. Not in the first spell and the second spell, but let's talk about the first spell fairly quickly with promotions. And it was a happy time, I guess. Brilliant, brilliant. At that time, there were Knots were uh, a team of like there was a couple of two or three young people in the team. Dave Needham, Brian Stobbs, uh, Les Brad were all early twenties, and but the rest were all finishing their career. And so there were half of them were just going through the motion, really. And so I thought, well, there's only one way to go is up. And which, and then for the first that year, we stabilised and got just escaped getting re-elected to the league. And Jimmy Silver took over in '69. The rest history. What he did was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Training, everything, you know, different. Or you know, he made, you know, I felt I needed I needed somebody to. Always needed somebody to play for. Somebody, you know, I looked up to. He became a sort of father figure to me. Mm. And he was absolutely brilliant for me. An incredible record of 270, about four games, about a goal every three games. And then a big move came. You probably weren't expecting at 28 to get the move to QPR, is that fair to say? £100,000 bid. As I say, in those days, you you were just pieces of meat. You didn't have any say Mm. in the matter. But it came, and I thought... Absolutely fantastic. That's all I wanted to do to prove myself that I could play at that level. Mm. And all I wanted to do when I went down there, because when you look at that team, I went down in 74, December, and then the the next year, 75, 76 season, when we should have won the league, the team and the the football they played was absolutely brilliant. The best team you played in? Oh, easy, easy. Best team. Uh, I always said Stan Bowles was the best player I natural player because obviously I'd only played with Kenny at the national level so I didn't see him day in day out mm. obviously he's the best Scottish player ever Stan Bowles is a natural gifted player he's the best thing, best player I ever uh, saw and played with because the things he could do especially being left footed as well it was just it was just brilliant uh, to, to play with mm. and it made my life easy when you've got players like that and Jerry Tom Gibbons brilliant 
and then in 1976, a Scotland call-up in your late 20s. Was that a real surprise? Jimmy had told me, apparently before the 74 World Cup, that he recommended me to uh, the manager, and obviously, I think it was really honoured, but obviously being playing in the second division, they didn't even come to watch me, mm. you know, and never even came to watch me. And I wasn't playing any better, believe this or believe it or not, with the Rangers than I was at North County, but I was only playing and a great team with better players, you know, and uh, people could see what I could do. And uh, it came, but he only came to see the last game of the season at, at the Rangers. Eddie Gray was playing for Leeds, and I, he came to see Eddie and I. So it did, to be named in the uh, the squad for the uh, home at the Nationals. Mm. Unfortunately, I was picked. Had you always thought of yourself as a Scotsman, despite having most of your life in England? Always, always be like, uh, uh, yeah, be, uh, because obviously I would never have left. It'd been, yeah. it'd been my choice, but uh, I didn't, didn't have any choice in the matter. Yeah. But as it turns out, I, I always believe your life's pre-planned for you. So no matter what, you can't do anything about it. You know, so this was all things just fell into place, good and the bad. So back to the... Scotland call-up. Fast forward to a huge moment at Anfield, a penalty. Tell us about that game, that moment. Yeah, it was it was fantastic because all my family was there, apart from my mum. She had a job, a tied job in, uh, in Thornaby, uh, lived above the doctors in Thornaby. She used to have to answer the phone at night, so she couldn't go to the match. And it was full of Scottish uh, supporters. It was supposed to be their home game. But obviously, like it was, it was three quarters of the, the supporters were Scottish at the time. Don Nelson to take this penalty, and I think he's aware of the significance of it. Nelson to take it, and he's done it. He has done it, and the Scottish supporters. Tell me about putting the ball down for that penalty and your feelings and what happened with the penalty. I never took the penalties before because Bruce had taken the penalties and then I was designated the penalty taker. That's for volunteers. I said, well, I'll take them because nobody was there, so I'll take it. And I, I'd, I'd scored previous to that. I scored in uh, 77. We were going to the... Uh, on that tour to South America against Argentina, I'd scored the, the penalty mm. when we drew 1-1 there. And I'd also scored a penalty against, I think it was Finland, at Hamden. So I'd already scored one penalty before that. The, the, uh, my thoughts, putting the ball down, you know, it was stage of the game, obviously, if I scored, it looks like we're going through, if I miss, you know, like, end of the world. So, anyway, fortunately for me, uh, it ended up in the back of the net. And then Kenny got a fantastic goal at Martin's Cross, icing on the cake. Uh, Argentina, here we come. Hmm. Absolutely brilliant. You know, and for the, for the supporters, which was me- meant more to them, you know, than anything, you know, the, the Scottish supporters are the best in the world. You know, through thick and thin, they're always there to support the team. By the season before 
the World Cup 1978. You'd gone to Derby County. Uh, it wasn't a good time at Derby, especially because of another Scotsman, the manager, Tommy Doherty. Yeah, well, unfortunately, through uh, our injuries as well, moving, it, it was probably both our faults, Tommy and I, we never hit it off for whatever reason. So, he's not wholly to blame, but yeah. I, I, as I said, I, we, had a, we had a great team there, players. If we'd been left to our own devices, I don't want to uh, criticise anybody or say anything about anybody. I, was, I went through a bad time. I wasn't playing very well, but uh, one of my next-door neighbours, he went to the not, uh, Nottingham Forest Jubilee uh, Club, and Tommy Doherty was doing the after-dinner pizza, and he, was, he, he absolutely slaughtered. The neighbours came to me the next day and said, you couldn't believe what Tommy Docker is saying about you, saying, oh, you should never go, go into the World Cup. Imagine that. Anybody saying that against you? Mm-hmm. You know, so, I, as I said earlier, I needed somebody to play for. Uh, early stages of my career with Race Carter, the borough, yeah. when he started, Jimmy, and then Dave Sexton. I, I, they were people, you know, they made, I wanted to play for them. Yeah. And when somebody's saying that against you, you don't want to be playing for them. You know, and I'd, and so it was more fault. I let him get to me. And as I said, the the players and the fans were brilliant, really. I never, it was the worst year of my life with the World Cup. And then afterwards, before the World Cup, leading up to the World Cup, was a, was a nightmare. So everything, and as I, as I look back on it, what I should have done, I should have said that I, I didn't want to go to the World Cup because I would have, I wasn't the right frame of mind. But, Obviously, you never turn that down. Mm. Going once in a lifetime experience, I was never going to turn it down. But I wasn't—I was never in the right frame of mind, just purely because of the experience I'd had that year with Doherty in Derby County. Mm. Not the players, not the not the supporters. They were great. I just let myself down and didn't do myself justice. Were you surprised when you made the squad for Argentina? I wasn't surprised because of what I'd done before and in all the games I'd played I'd, I'd always been one of the, the top players in the team so I wasn't surprised but as, as I said in hindsight which is a great thing I should have I should have said but you, you don't say things like that you don't do things like that uh, it's all always too late mm. but uh, I certainly wasn't in the right frame of mind when, and plus the fact when we got the send off was absolutely ludicrous travelling around the the Hamden mm-hmm. on a on open air bus. That was just silly, you know. And all the players felt the same way. That was it. it wasn't. I would never say anything like Al Ali because Ali was brilliant with me. But it was the SAFA. They built this up mm-hmm. out of all proportions. You know, we we're going to win the World Cup. None of the players thought that way. We were we were over. You know, like highly delighted to just qualify mm-hmm. and uh, to knock out. Czechoslovakia, who were the European champions at that time in the group, to qualify above them was beyond the players' expectations because we'd lost the first game out there as well in the qualifying games. And we thought, you know, to to end up being there was uh, beyond our wildest dreams, really. But but everything was output out of all proportions. It was built up, but not by the players. None of the players thought that way. Mm. 
We were just grateful we were there. What was going through all the players' minds when you having to sing the songs and go to these parades? Oh, it was, it was ludicrous. It was ludicrous. Because we, cause we were, when we were out there, it was, well, it wasn't eruptions, but it was things going on behind the scenes. The, the accommodation was absolutely abysmal, mm. you know, that we went, you know, nothing to do, trained for a couple of hours, 22 hours to kill, doing nothing, no amenities, nothing, armed guards around the perimeter of the the, enclosure, the place where we lived. It was just, it was, and the training for something was, was useless. It was just a complete, you know, well, they wouldn't, nowadays, they wouldn't, they wouldn't put up with it. Mm. It wouldn't happen. You know, but through whoever thought was at the SFA, we should have had somebody out there to, to get out there. We promised all these facilities, none, none of them existed. Can you imagine now being stuck for 22 hours? Mm doing nothing. It was absolutely a joke. Why do you think players just stood for that? You know, when you think of Roy Keane marching out of uh, the World yeah, Cup well, because the food wasn't right. Yeah, but that's what, we were just pieces of meat. Yeah. We didn't have any say in the matter. You know, we we went, if clubs, if if the clubs wanted you to do whatever they wanted you to do, you, you did it. Otherwise, you didn't get paid. Simple as. Yeah. Now, it's gone to, to the other extreme where players have got so much power now it's just, it is, it's ridiculous now. But don't get me wrong, it's better that way for being that way than we were. We were just pieces of meat. Yeah. What were you doing in those 22 hours? I mean, nothing. Playing cards, reading, not just, just, it was just, it was a total nightmare. I can assure yeah. you. It's not the dream come true because you as a, not you dream, as a boy not, would have yeah. thought, a World Cup, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going to the World Cup, you know, dreaming about, oh no, all I wanted to do was come home, yeah. you know, like after they missed the penalty, I didn't want to be there you know, I was. I knew I wasn't going to I'd written an article in one of the papers mm-hmm. saying like I'm telling you now what they, and so I got sent by uh, Louis McCarry had written the same article in, in a different paper he got sent by, he never played again for Scotland mm-hmm. and we, we, because we told the truth. Backwards slightly it's sad to talk about it but that penalty miss, you can't avoid that in the story and you don't well, this is what the books are mainly about still, and I, I joke about it now. And it's only me because of the, the Scottish people have been fantastic, really. They joke about it. When I had the hotel and used to come and uh, put my hands up in the air and apologise to them, mm. you know, and, and yeah, well, it's all right, it's forgotten about it. But it'll never, as far as I'm concerned, it'll never be, you know, the, not a day goes past. So I always think about it. something reminds me about it. What what might have been at a score that we've probably gone on to to go into the, the knockout situation. Mm. And who knows what would have, could have happened then? Because at that time Scotland are the, one of the best scores of players they've ever had, really. Yeah. And for me to be part of that was beyond my wildest dreams. I couldn't believe it. You know, at such a late stage in my career, getting all this later on in my career, which is, you know, like, brilliant, really. You couldn't make it up. With Burns and Jordan up front. There's Jordan once more. Re-up. And a penalty given to Scotland. And he saved it. A brilliant save again by Haroga. 
Preston had to wait, but he struck the ball firmly, but he was too close to the goalkeeper. What do you remember of the moment when the penalty was saved? Just, he just wanted the, the ground to open up and just swallow me up. You know, I felt let everybody down, especially my family, you know, like my mum and dad especially. I felt for them. And then all, think about all the relatives in Banksy, you know, like, oh, and now, you know, like, what, what you've let them down, you've you let the whole nation down, which I felt, obviously did. And uh, that's that's why primarily the name of the, when the book is still saying sorry, and it's primarily about that penalty miss. And when I had the, uh, the hotel near the uh, Cambridge uh, cricket ground, we used to look after all the uh, forest players and uh, used to, I used to have a, uh, a cellar bar and Brenda bless her, she had all the photographs around there and the shirts and, and all the, the memorabilia and uh, and I, I used to be behind the bar and uh, all the people used to come up from London you know like uh, the, uh, the teams to play for us when they were in the first division in those days if there were Scottish people about it, you used to feel a bit embarrassing but having to relive you know, obviously got photograph up, you know, the, the one uh, scored again in Wales, but you always used to go back, oh, but what about the one you missed mm, in, uh, in Argentina? Yeah. And, the, and as I say, it was, it was, uh, it was t- taken lightheartedly, and there was no animosity, really, as far as the, the uh, supporters yeah. were concerned. Now, obviously at the time, devastated, devastated, the nation was devastated, you know, yeah. and uh, quite rightly so. And as you wrote that article or spoke to the journalist and and talked about what had happened in Argentina in terms of the facilities and all the rest. Did you think right then this is gonna get me in trouble? No, I didn't I didn't think anything. I just wanted to get them off my chest. Yeah. Like the same reason I've written this book. It's taken me all this time to write the book. I need it was a time uh, like I I needed to tell how it was mm. and the same with the book. I wanted to be when I, I spoke to Terry Bowles who's kind of ghostwriting for me, I said to him, I need to tell just what happened and what's happened in my life, you know, the good and the bad. And so this is it's been therapeutic as far as I'm being concerned. It's taken me a year to do it. We started off this time last year when he finally persuaded me to, to actually write the book. And as I say, uh, that was the reason. When I, when I said to, uh, you can equate it as a newspaper man, they were milling about the hotel after the game, uh, especially after the, the game. And Mike Langley was obviously for the, the people in the newspaper at that time. And uh, I did an exclusive, you know, like which was unheard of then. And uh, I, I, I never thought anything more of it. I just thought I needed to tell people what the situation was, you know. I wanted to get it off the chest, how I felt. Mm. And yet, by no means... Were you finished in league football? You went home because it is home, really, isn't it? To Meadow Lane, to Notts County, yeah, yeah. played another yeah. well, well over a century of games again, and were eventually voted their all-time greatest. That's some feeling, I imagine. Well, it, it is. It makes me so humbled, Dan. When yeah, it's fantastic. The supporters have been brilliant to me right from the first time I came down in '68. I get people coming to, up to the B&B now. Supporters. Uh, where I live now, and uh, reminiscing, and uh, go down there to Meadow Lane periodically. It makes me so humble, really. I'm really, really grateful. So finally, Don, when 
you look back on your footballing career, what emotion or emotions do you feel about it all? I, I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't change the amount. I would have changed obviously the penalty miss. But as I say, that's uh, through that circumstance, it's changed my life and different, different things in my life apart from the football. Uh, so I'm fortunate in that respect. You know, I only kicked the silly football for, for twenty for twenty years. I've done something else in my life. But looking back on my my football career, I would give everything up now that I've got now to be able to kick a football about and and just play football because that's all I ever wanted to do was play football and I came alive when I was on the, the football pitch because I knew I was in total control of what I could do and I was fortunate enough to be given a, a gift. I, I really appreciate all the ups and all the downs. Overall, 20 years I look back at it now and I think, how lucky was I? I think I was really, really lucky. And you've got a lot to thank your mum for. Hey, I think when I look back, yeah, without her, you know, I might have been a, a ballet dancer. <laughs>